This is the WMSC interview of Destruction Singer Schmier by Nick Perkel. On spiritual genocide, can you tell me what song took the most takes to get through in the studio and what song took the least? Hmm, that's a very good question. I think actually um, we've, we've been very good prepared. You know, we always record everything before the final recording. So we, we did like demos. So I think we were good prepared. Just the cover versions we did, we did them in the studio and they were more spontaneous. So I think those songs were more complicated. We recorded um, um, from Saxon, Princess of the Night, and also uh, from Motorhead, it was The Hammer. So those songs were kind of not prepared. I think those songs took most time because you want to, you know, you want to stick to originals, but you want to keep on doing your own thing. So until we had the final result that sounded like we wanted it to be, uh, it took a while. So I think those songs, those two cover versions had most takes, even they're easy songs, but until they sounded like the way you wanted them to sound like, took a while. Anything you want to add on that? No, it's, you know, I mean, it, I think it turned out cool, you know. Like, uh, I'm not a big fan of cover version, though, but even it's always a challenge to do it, you know. And uh, if I listen to the songs now, I think it turned out great, you know. it's You can always make it better at the end, you know. You can always, it's like this, if you go to the studio and you go back and and record something two years later, you might can do it better. But sometimes it's also the spontaneous idea that comes around and is best, you know. So uh, I like it spontaneous normally and... Uh, of course, we're all learning and, and progressing, but uh, I think it turned out cool. On your song, Legacy of the Past, from the new album, you got Jer from Tankard and Tom Angel Ripper from Sodom both singing with you in a line mentioning fanzines and tape traders. Do you feel like people can check out as many quality new bands on the recommendation of blog sites and YouTube, as was the case with getting some demo tapes in the mail and fanzines back in the day? I don't know if you can compare this, you know, we're, it's a whole different scene now. It's, uh, everything is multimedia. Everything is, you have, to, you have access to everything. Back in the day, we were hungry. Back in the day, it was so hard to get stuff. You know, back in the day, you, you couldn't just listen to something. You had to really wait weeks and weeks to get a tape or a CD uh, or a vinyl uh, from the mail. You had to order it maybe in, in a different country far away and you paid a lot of your hard-earned money for it. So I think it was new and it was a, a whole different thing. I, it's hard to compare, you know. And I don't want to say that that the new scene or YouTube or all that stuff is bad, you know. It uh, has a lot of good things. The only bad thing about the, the, the whole new generation stuff is that people don't have the they feel that they have to pay for music anymore. And that's, of course, bad for the music nowadays because a lot of bands cannot live from the music anymore and it will be harder for them to survive and, and create new music, you know. But, uh, yeah, it's it's been great back in the day, but I like the new technologies, of course. What do you think were some of the better live recordings of your band from the 1980s besides the Invincible Invasion recording? I mean, the best recording we have is the, the Live Without Sense recording. That's the double live album from 89. 
that is still one of my favorite destruction records because it has a great spirit, a very good uh, rough sound, but not too rough. So I really like the, the live album uh, as, as a time document. And if I look back at those years in the 80s, uh, this album sticks out most for me because it reminds me of all the tours we did back in the day. It was uh, Slayer and Motorhead and King Diamond and stuff. What would you say to a band to do right before they go in and record their debut album? It's difficult. You know, nowadays, with a whole new um, technique, it's a lot easier to record because all the computers can erase your mistakes, you know. I still think it's the best, the best way is to prepare, you know, sit down and practice, learn to play to a click track. That is very, very important. Uh, a lot of pe people today, you cannot play to a click track anymore. It's ridiculous. Like, it's the first thing you have to learn. Sit down with a click track. And if you want to get tight as a band, and everybody can play to the click track, then a band will get tight as a motherfucker. So I think the most important thing is, you know, you have to rehearse and sit down. And I think what's very important is what people sometimes do in the studio is they play stuff they cannot really play live, you know, because in the studio you can take time to, to play it. I think that's the wrong way. You know, you, you go to the studio and you play, you show your best skills, so, but you don't overdo it. And uh, that's very important, I think. Play what you can do best, but don't overdo it. And do, don't do stuff that you can't do live, because it's going to come back to you at one point. What do you miss the most about the studio albums of the 1980s as compared to metal albums of recent years? What I miss most, I miss the that the old studios had like uh, big lounges and a nice kitchen and all the stuff, because you had to hang out a long time there. They... They were prepared for, for your convenience. Nowadays, studios are small, and there's basically just electronic equipment, and you can just go there for, 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 the, the, for the need, you know. Uh, what we do nowadays is, of course, also we pre-record a lot of stuff at home, and we prepare real well, so we don't have to spend weeks and weeks in the studio anymore. That really helps. Like, back then, when you were doing those weeks and weeks, would it be a lot of time spent on pre-production and post-production? It was um, it was definitely also on, on po some post-production stuff. And uh, we've been recording also some albums in the Swedish in the Swedish woods with Peter Tetkren, where the next city was like two hours far away. So there was nothing around there, just just uh, deers and, uh, and forest. And after some weeks, it gets really weird, you know, like uh, you kind of get isolated. I mean, some people say, you know, you can focus better on the music. But I think like for weeks and weeks, it's not good for the spirit, you know, uh, you get depressed and everything, you know. Uh, so so I think uh, a mixture of of all that is, is best, you know, that you can, you know, you, you can focus and uh, you can go and run away, but also... Um, you should, you know, you shouldn't just do everything at one shot. You know, like that's what we do. We, do. we don't do the pre-production and the demos and everything in one shot. We do it piece by piece. So we're in studio here two days, there a week, there some days. And then at the end, what I always say, most important, when everything is recorded, don't mix it right away. Because 
when you mix it right away, you lose the focus. So it's always good to put everything into the cupboard and open it up again after two or three weeks and then go mix it with like fresh ears and then it will do a total different job. What type of advice would you have for young bands getting ready to change up their practice and recording sessions in order to go from a garage band to one get to one that gets booked alongside established musicians? I mean, basically, yes, the best advice is, is in, in yourself, you know. If you want to really make it and break through, you need a lot of spirit. You, you need a lot of stuff, to leave a lot of stuff behind, you know, maybe girlfriend, maybe friends or family. You have to, you know, you're going to have some tough circumstances and some tough decisions in your life. Besides that, of course, all the musical background, I mean, you have to sit down and practice and you need to learn how to, to play tight with your band. And I think originality is the most important thing also for a band nowadays, that you that you create your own style. And uh, if all this comes together and if you have a, have a strong spirit, then you can maybe make it. You know, it's, uh, I think, uh, I just read this article where it says, you know, the the new metal scene doesn't have any headliners. You know, all the headliners are banned from the 80s at the moment, which is kind of true. So we definitely need new bands and uh, we need a new spirit in the, in the scene. And actually, it's great to see that it's gonna it's happening. You know, there's a, a, there's a lot of young people coming to the shows again now and, and a lot of young, uh, young bands are playing. So it wasn't always like this. So that's actually a great uh, progress in the last years, I think. What do you remember about the recording session for Black Mass on the Sentence of Death album? I remember we were like 17 and very unprepared. Our first time in the real studio and we completely failed, actually. It was difficult for us. Uh, the producer was, I think it was his first or second time working with a metal band or with an extreme metal band at that time. So there was a lot of difficult circumstances. But... We learned a lot on the session. We learned a lot on the sentence of death recording. So when we came back for the real first album, Infernal Overkill, we were much better prepared and everything was much easier. On that note, tell me about the song Black Death from Infernal Overkill when you recorded that one. Yeah, I mean, actually, I think the lyrics and also the, uh, the music are written by Mike back in the day. It was a very, actually a very long lyrical content and it was about, you know, about the past, basically, about uh, the medieval times. I think we were inspired by some movie at that time. So the song turned out to be very long and uh, that's what was the reason why we didn't play it live for many years. And uh, we actually played it again lately in Germany on the, on the festival where people were really asking and begging for us to play it. So I guess it became, turned out kind of a cult song. Could you imagine either playing Black Mass or Black Death uh, on your American tour? Um, we've been playing both songs on last tours. So there could be a chance, you know, there could be a chance to, to play one of the songs. We have a kind of a wish list at a live show sometimes, so when the fans are screaming for certain songs, sometimes we can spontaneously uh, pick them up and play them. So we will see what we can do. I mean, we're pretty much prepared for a long, for a long show, so 
Maybe we're going to play one of those songs. Would you ever desire to record a future album using an analog tape recorder? <laughs> um, you mean like... like uh, Reel to reel. You mean like a tape recorder, tape recorder? Or you mean like the analog tape recorder that we used for recordings, professional recordings? Yeah, like the professional one. I don't mean like for a cassette thing. Yeah, I mean okay. just like the way it was like years ago. Yeah, we did that. We actually did that on Metal Discharge. That's not so long ago. That was uh, 2006. Um, that's, yeah, it's like eight years ago. It's not so long ago. Yeah, we did that. And uh, it showed us the difficulties to uh, compare to the new recordings nowadays. It's very difficult to you know, get this, this sound that we are used to at the moment uh, that sounds like powerful and brutal on, on a tape recorder. And uh, we tried on Metalist Charge and we, we, we get bashed pretty hard from some media where people were like comparing us to Metallica at their, on their worst records because the snare sound was kind of very real and not not no not samplers and samples at all and stuff you know so yeah we did that experiment and it wasn't that well received maybe now eight years later people are a little bit fed up of all the clinical sounds it would be you know worth another try but uh yeah most studios don't have uh, table recorders anymore now yeah, I just mentioned that because I really, really dug the Hordes of Chaos album from Creator. So, and that one is recorded on a tape recorder. I believe so. Oh. Don't believe was written on a record, though. You know. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I'm, I know some, you know, certain records supposed to be live, that are not live at all. You know, so. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, it definitely was the experience. I mean, the problem is basically. Like this, you know, you you use a, you use a tape recorder, but at the end, you do everything digital anyways. Again, you know, so I don't know if it really makes sense, you know, nowadays to because at the end you're using a digital overall mastering anyways. You know what I mean? Okay. It's at the, at the beginning it's analog, but the final product you're gonna hear is gonna be digital because you listen to it on a cd or your mp3 player or as a waf or whatever it is it's going to be you know so it's kind of it's not like in a day anymore that you have uh, an analog and then you put the analog on a vinyl and then it's it's a poor analog recording but that's not happening anymore now now we have an analog we're going to master it you put it on tools to, and then they put the stuff into the pressing and then it's digital and so it's not the real analog recording anymore. But maybe, you know, it helps for some stuff, but um, I'm not sure about it. I've read in a recent interview that you were working with a few members of Accept on a side project. Can you tell me how far along you are in composing songs with them? And will you be uh, singing with them or just playing bass? Yeah, it's it's actually the drummer Stefan who used to play uh, for Running Wild many years and he's playing for Accept now for many years also, and it's uh, Herman Frank, the guitar player, and yeah, we 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 met on several festivals in the last years and we've been hanging out and they're great guys and yeah, we liked each other since point one, and 
somehow we had the crazy idea that in between the accept and destruction breaks, uh, we could do something together because Stefan, the drummer, he lives like very close by. Now he moved down here where I live. So we started to do some stuff and uh, some rehearsals and it turned out really great. And I mean, I've been doing like this Headhunter project uh, back in the, in the 90s. And that was also a mix of classical heavy metal with a little bit of destruction. So now we're going to, I'm going to go back on this, you know, using my destruction vibes, but uh, the music going to be much more classical heavy metal. But it's also, of course, going to be more heavy and and uh, a little bit more powerful than Accept stuff, you know. So it's going to be a nice mixture. I think it fits really well. We have uh, already written five songs and uh, it's actually still not really so official so you're the one of the first person that is interviewing me about this i only did one interview before with the guy from israel who uh who basically put this on blabbermouth back in the day yeah that's what i'm referencing yeah, yeah. so uh, we still uh, we still don't have the, the name for the band we're writing songs right now and uh, as soon as we have a demo then we're gonna put off out the official uh, statement. But we're having those five songs recorded now as a pre-demo. So when I'm coming back from the states, then we're gonna enter the studio and record uh, a pre-recording for the final album. So I'm excited. It sounds great. It sounds fresh. It's uh, to me, it's something different than instruction. So it's a, it's a great experience. And and the guys are, of course, uh, especially Herman. He's a little bit older than me. He, he's like my bigger brother, you know, he has, has a lot of more experience. And even if I'm in the business for a long time, he has some more years so I can learn from him. And it's very interesting. And I love classical heavy metal. It's, it's my fucking favorite. And uh, it's going to be fun to do that. So I'm really looking forward. And it's it's a great side project. It's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not somebody that likes to sit at home the whole day. I like to to, to be entertained and, and, and play music and have fun. And uh, looking forward to this new thing. Would you expect it to be released by the end of this year? It could be. It could be by the end of this year if everything works out. We're um, we're gonna have demos in in April, May, and we're gonna look for a label. So we could we could enter the studio in uh, in summer. So I hope it's gonna happen. Yeah. But I mean, on the other side, I have to do the destruction album also, which has top priority, of course. So uh, we'll see uh, how everything goes. But I think. The way it goes right now, this the project will be earlier from the songwriting. We go because already we have five songs done, and we already have new ideas. So this should be, if you find a good label fast, then it should be out by end of the year. What lyric has the most meaning to you in your song "Riot Squad"? Actually, I'm writing personal stuff. You know, stuff that is uh, confronting me every day. Stuff that I have to deal with. So uh, I like to write personal, personal lyrics, lyrics about experiences or about fears. So, um, yeah, that's what I'm doing. You know, like I put on the news or I put my ass on, in a plane and I fly somewhere and bang, I get inspired by a lot of stuff. So uh, writing lyrics nowadays is like much easier for me and I keep it as a personal thing, you know, I mean... I think for me as a thrash band, lyrics have to be personal and also like social critical. That's an important thing for me and my point of view for the band and for destruction. And uh, it's also a good relief for me, you know, like when I write that stuff down, it's like kind of a, 
psychological inside out situation. You know, I can put everything on the table. I can, I can really clean my soul. So uh, yeah, I, I didn't enjoy writing lyrics when I was younger. It was more difficult for me. But now it's 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 a part of my life. It became a part of my my songwriting, and it's much easier. And I, I really enjoy it. Now this is pretty much the last question. You got to tour America for the first time back in 1988 with the Exploited from England. Yes, what are some of your favorite memories from those days that you look back on was, every now and then? It wasn't the Exploited. It was the Chromax, actually. For- oh, shit. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I remember there was like this wild punk band. Yeah, on yeah it was the Chromax. It was the Chromax from New York City. They were like kind of hardcore. They were one of the very first hardcore bands from America back in the day. And uh, we did actually... The, the longest tour we ever did in the States was that one. There was like two and a half, almost three months with a little van touring through America. It's, it was a very difficult tour because uh, the metalheads and the hardcore kids didn't get along that well. You know, A lot of the, lot of the metalheads were very peaceful, were like foreigners, you know, people coming from different countries and that are like Americans... Uh, with different roots, and a lot of the hardcore kids were kind of little, let's say, white power skinheads, you know. So there was kind of uh, some very, very crazy shows where like was big fights. I remember one time a guy attacked me on stage, also one skinhead. So it was a, a tough tour, but with a lot of experience. And the uh, Gromex are an amazing band, so. Uh, we, I learned a lot from that tour in, in America, and uh, it was basically something that never happened before. It was a, a metal band and a hardcore band touring together. Nowadays, it's much easier because people are more open-minded. Back in the day, it was kind of still um, really kind of freaky, you know. We were also the first band ever. Back in '85, we were the first metal band that uh, played with the Exploited, actually. You just mentioned them. The Exploited from England, they played together with us in 85 uh, in a very famous club here in South Germany. And it was also the same problem, you know, a lot of no respect in between the punks and the metalheads and the punks trying to attack the metalheads. And it was it was ugly. So I'm, I'm glad nowadays the scenes somehow unite better and more than it was in the past. Thanks a lot. This has been the WMSC interview of Destruction singer Schmier by Nick Perkel.